Last week's sermon was um, a lead-in to this week. So I'm going to give you a real quick rundown. I was super excited about it because I learned something, and I want you to learn what I learned. There's a word in the Old Testament called maod. Maod, M-E-O-D. Everybody say it. Maod. All right? Maod is an adverb. All right? It's an adverb. Describes another thing. So it means very. When God said he made all the world and it was good, and then he said he made people, it was maod good. Very good. When he talked about Solomon, he didn't say he was very rich. He said maod, maod rich. All right? He was multiple, multiple rich. Okay? It also means abundant or exceeding or much. All right? But it's hard to make much a noun. You know, give God your much. Love the Lord God with all your much. But interestingly enough, one time, 299 times it's an adverb. One time it's a noun. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your maod. In Deuteronomy, that's what it is. In Deuteronomy, it's the word maod instead of mind and strength. So I wanted to work through what that meant, work through what that was. And as I did, here's what happened. Maod is your much. Maod is your very. Love the Lord your God with your fullness. Love the Lord your God exceedingly. Love the Lord your God with your abundance. Well, you and I both know that as you talk about things through time, the, the connotation and the denotation change a little bit through the years. So you go through the Hebrew, and then you get Aramaic. And from the Aramaic, which Jesus and his people spoke, then you get Greek, which is what the Bible's written in. Well, in the transition through, you have Jesus saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. But the word maod or abundant has become fullness or treasure. So it moved from the fullness of what we have to the abundance of what we have to the things that we have, the things that we treasure. Interestingly enough, if you work at a word study for treasure in the New Testament, it means fullness, abundance, treasure, wealth. But two times in the Bible, it means beast or trap or snare. Can I get an amen? Has anybody ever felt like there was anything in their life that could be abundant and bless them, but also felt like a burden, a beast, or a snare? Money, finances, debt. Do you think the Bible's not real for today? Now, the reason I pe preached last week's message is because there are no pastors out there. There are no pastors out there. I'm going to do my best to stay right here. No pastors out there, all right? who want to talk about finances and want to talk about money. That's just the bottom line. I need you to know a couple things. Number one, I am free from that. I don't have that problem. Have I been anxious all the way up to today? Yes. But I'm going to tell you at the end of my introduction why I'm free from it and why I'm excited about doing it because it's for you. All right? First, most people think that people start preaching tithing and finance sermons when the church is hurting for money. So let's just be clear about something here. You ready for some fun stuff? Let's be clear. No, nothing hidden. You ready? In January, there were four weeks. All right, four weeks in January. It was winter. We had a ton of sickness. We brought in $18,412 in January. If you divide that by four weeks, that's $4,600. That is right where we need to be. Our goal is $5,000 a month. $4,600 is a great week. We come out in the black if we stay there, all right? See? Black, light, all right? More is light, less is dark. All right. In February, we had $17,996 or $4,500, $4,499. It's another good month. Now, COVID hit in March. So every pastor after two weeks is like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So there are five Sundays in March. We were not in church, three of them. Every church out there almost is going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? 
We're wondering what we're going to do. Well, what NBC is going to do is bring in $24,000. We were only here two weeks. $24,000, highest single month ever without a special offering in six and a half years. April, oh, $4,815 a week in a five-week month, unheard of. April, $20,660, $51.65 a week. $51.65 a week. During this time, we had nothing to spend on, gave away nearly $2,000 to the Salvation Army to feed the homeless with pizza, to hand to people who need it, to drive into drive throughs and hand off money and just say, feed the people behind us. Just to give, to, to give. April, 15850 But hear me, that comes out to thirty-one seventy a week, and that's not bad. Remember, March and April, we all got stimulus checks. And I can tell you that at least eight to ten families gave off of their stimulus checks. I don't know what happened to the rest of you, but anyway. All right. But we had almost $4,000 come in in April just for the building fund. So if you add that in, we were over 4600 again. This ain't about the church, and it ain't about money. So what is it about? It's about the people, and I'll say this again over the next few weeks, who come to me and say things like I've said in the past. I had more debt when I was making $110,000 a year than I have now, making seventy dollars or $80,000 a year as a family. I, had, uh, I was a lot happier when it was just thirty, thirty-five thousand. dollars I don't know what to do. I make $65,000 a year and I can't pay my bills. I've heard all of these things. My car broke down. I can't pay for the alternator. I can't pay to put a new transmission in it. But I make $72,000 a year. Well, what's wrong? This is what we're going to talk about. What's wrong? Church, here's how this is going to play out. What is Jesus? When Jesus came to earth, what is Jesus chasing after? What's he chasing? Answer me. Us. And what part of us does he want? Heart. All of us. But he is reaching for, give me your heart. Jesus has always been chasing the heart. If Jesus was always chasing the heart, then why was 25%, one out of every four sermons that Jesus preached, stories that Jesus told, why were one-fourth of them about money? I was, I, was, I, was, I was unclear until Andy Stanley asked that question then quoted this verse. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus has always been chasing your heart. And he knows he's got to do it through what you treasure. And guess what you treasure? What your wallet says you spend money on. I'm going to stay here. I am. It might kill me. Here's how we're going to play this out. There, I always try to explain myself to you. So here's how we're going to play this out for the next four weeks. Week one, a biblical history. You need to know why we say the things that we say. Where is 10%? Why don't you say 10%? Why do you say 10% as we get more involved? Why do you say 10% small group and not to the church? What? Everything that we say about tithing first and all that, where does it come from? Do you know? I'm going to give them all to you, except the one I'm going to preach on next week. All right? 
Next week, I'm going to preach on a heart of generosity. What is the sin and why are we not created for anything other than a heart of generosity? And then the last two weeks, I'm going to talk to you this week and you're going to be like, I'm going to talk to you next week and you're going to be like, and then after that, you're going to have this question. How do we do it? I'm going to do two weeks on how you get it done. Well, Craig, will that fix me? No. How do I know? Because if your heart doesn't want it, nothing's going to happen. If your heart does, everything will happen. Period. So I want you to be able to stand before everybody and tell them where it all came from. All right? Here you go. Everybody take a deep breath. You're six feet apart. Breathe in and deep. Breathe out. We've Lysoled it all down from the last group. Wiped it all down. All right, we'll do it again. We've sprayed it. We spray Yeah, it's been sprayed. All right? Ain't no COVID here. All right? Community, not COVID today. All right, here we go. A biblical history of giving. Deep breath because we're running. Starting in Genesis. It starts right off the bat. Genesis chapter 4, 3 through 5. In the course of time... Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was angry and his face was downcast. From the very beginning, it is not about money. It is not about how hard you work. Has anybody ever heard this? I work hard, it's my money. Hmm, well... Farmers work hard too. They plant seeds, they water plants, they tend to crops, but the sun ain't theirs. The rain ain't theirs. And the pulling of that seed and the plant out of that seed and the death of that seed and the life that comes is not theirs. That comes from God. Everything that you have comes from God. And the first portion of that is given back to God in order that He may know that you know. That's the end. That's how it began. Hey God, I know that all that I have is yours. Here, this is where we get the idea of giving and the idea of first fruits from the beginning, all right? Doesn't say anything about 10, doesn't say anything about not 10, but giving and the Lord's and the firsts all start in Genesis. Now, later in the book of Genesis, after Abram, all right, returned from defeating Kedarlamer and the kings allied, allied with him, the king of Sodom, came out to meet him in the valley of Shavah, that is the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, that's an important word, Melchizedek, you need to know it, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest. Listen, Melchizedek, king, Salem, priest. Say those four words. Melchizedek, king, Salem, priest. Again, Melchizedek, king, Salem, priest. Those are very important. And blessed Abram saying, blessed, by, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high. Bless you, Abram. Praise be to God who delivered your enemies. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Melchizedek is an interesting character. This is the only place he appears except for a mention in one verse in Psalms and then he gets a liturgy in Hebrews. And the question scholars ask is why? Why do we focus? Why does this Hebrew writer take time to focus in on this king that's mentioned one time and then kind of mentioned another time? What's the deal? The deal is in the four words I gave you. Melchizedek, king, Salem, priest. Listen to who he was. He was Melchizedek, literally king 
and righteous. So he is the righteous king who is the king of Salem, which comes from the Hebrew room Shalom, which means peace to you. So he is the righteous king who is the king of peace, who is also a priest. There is never another mention of a king who is also a priest, except one. Say it, George. Jesus was a prophet, a priest, and a king. Melchizedek is a foreshadowing of everything that God would be. And it's important because in recognizing that, the king of Sodom, his gifts are turned away. The, the king of Sodom actually next offers Abram. He says, I don't want to be known for money. Here's what just happened. He took under 400 men. You don't know of Abram the warrior. We know Abraham, Father Abraham, the old guy, all right? He, he took 400 men and defeated four kings and their armies, got Lot and his family back and is running, all right, because they're going to come after him back home. And the other kings are praising him for it. And he has looted them, taken what is theirs, all right, so they have what they need. They give a tenth to the priest king, come on, and won't take any more money from the other king. This is foreshadowing. It's a beautiful picture of who Jesus would be, the king of peace, the righteous king. And Abram gave him what? A tenth of everything. All right, let's move to Genesis 29. Laban had two daughters, Leah, Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel, and he worked for seven years and asked for the younger daughter, all right? Um, Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than some other men. You stay with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days because of his love. He said, give me my life. My time has been completed. Laban brought together all of the people and gave a feast. Listen, a little of everything, a tithe of everything from the land, grain, soil, fruit, trees belongs to the Lord. Here you find why we at NBC always use the three T's. What are they? Time, talent, tithe. Time, talent, tithe. Because it's never been just about money. It's all about giving back God, the voice that God gave you to sing, the words that God gave you to preach, the rhythm that God gave you to play, the knowledge that God gave you to serve, the love that God gave you for children. We give part of that back to the Lord because it is holy. It is set apart for something. So now we have the third time that we see the tenth. Here's the part. You ready for this? This is the part Craig didn't know. I'm making an admission in my study. I did not know what's about to come. I knew about tithes and giving, but did you know that the people, the children of Israel, were called to give three tithes? The first tithe is the first fruits, the tenth the one that I've been telling you about that we'll find out where it's supposed to go later, but it was always given to the priest, all right, or to the religious leaders to do with as they will. But listen, there was a second tithe, the tithe of the feasts. This is fun. Do you know what it is? It's a tithe to self, which is really weird and you rarely ever hear in our faith because we always take, 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 and we don't need to be selfish. So why was the second tithe at the feasts a tithe to self. You ready? It's seriously a vacation tithe. The instructions for the tithe, listen to me, were this. Put some away 
so that you may retreat for preferably self-health, um, um, righteous gathering. It would be like our marriage retreats, or it would be like getting away for a spiritual retreat. But it was also so that you are not burdened by the things of this life. Let me be more clear about what this is. Your savings account. It was a call to an intentional saving up so that when that alternator goes out, it does not cause anxiety. So that when those teeth need cleaning, no offense, you have Blue Cross Blue Shield and Doc, okay? No, you are ready for that. When you break that crown, when you get that flat tire, when you have that accident and you have to go to the ER, it's there for you. This is the tithe to self. It's important. This is why Dave Ramsey says, tend to the church, tend to the bank. But there's a third tithe. And this is real interesting. The third tithe is the tithe to the poor. Now, how many of you are like, well, God is a God of giving and He wants us to take care of the poor. If you believe that, raise your hand. Well, this tithe was only given every three years. Why? Why is the benevolent tithe only given every three years? Listen to me. Because there was something assumed. If everybody was pouring into the church, and if the church was pouring into the community, nobody goes unfed. There's plenty of money, there's plenty of service, there's plenty of distribution, and there wasn't a need on a regular basis for it because the church was doing it and the people gave it. Every third year, it was given to help restore the storehouses so that they had plenty in the future in case. This is why we're all called to give. I'm going to let you in on another secret. It is not pointed. It is a fact. Fact. Listen to me. We have been able to do so much as a church. I mean, to give money away in a time when other churches need money, to be able to call a church down in Wilmore who had a fire recently. I sent a text to their pastor the minute I found out. And I said, you call me if you need anything. If you need money, we will give it. If you need a building, you may use ours. What's ours is yours. Why are we able to do that? Because our people give. But here's the thing. As I looked up everything today while I was looking these numbers up to give it to you, I also looked up the median income in Jessamine County. $52,000 is the median household income. That's household. Two, one, that's median, right in the middle. So it's safe to say that over 25,000 people were probably a pretty good mix of that. You ready? 15 families out of the 70 that attend our church have given this year in an equivalent to the median income. 15, and we're having our best year ever. Listen to me. 15 families have given to date 10% of what $52,000 would be, and we are having a heyday. Question, what if it was 30? What if it was 45? 25% give 10%, and we're doing well. What does that say? Well, Craig, you don't understand. Yeah, I think I do. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. I do not change, so you don't die. 
You change. You get in trouble. But I'm I'm here. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees. You've always decided you knew better. You've always decided with everything that I give you, be it your children or your spouse or your job or your money, that you know better how to use it. And turned away and not kept my decrees. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how are you to return? God says, will a mere mortal rob God? No, but you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In your tithes and your offerings. You are under a curse because you robbed me. Now listen. I've never been able to stand before a church and say these two things. I don't want to stand before a church and go, if you don't give 10%, you're stealing from God. Is that what this says? In a way, it does. But I'm not ready to throw that out as a blanket statement, all right? And if you tithe, everything's going to be better for you. That is never promised either. I can't stand before you and say these two things. Here's what I can say. If you're not tithing, you are living in disobedience to God. I can say that without blinking, and I'm okay with it. If you lie, you're living in obedience to God, in disobedience to God. If you um, lust, you're living in disobedience to God. Let's not be fair. If you have a racist bone in your body, you're not living in obedience to God. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not pointing fingers at anyone, but I can stand before you and say, if the first 10% of your check doesn't go to God, you're living in disobedience. I can say that. Now, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. See, this is more the focus here. A, that it belongs to God and not to you. And B, where it is to go. The tithe comes to the storehouse. I've had people ask me all the time, hey, you have a ministry, the Edge Conference. I'm not at a church right now. I was wondering if I could give to your conference. My answer is always the same. Do I want their money? Yeah, I want their money. Can I help more kids? Yeah, I can help more kids. Well, then why don't you say yes? Because I'm not a storehouse. I'm not a church in a community with people who have a need, who can serve the Salvation Army across the street, who have people come into his office who need food, who have people come into his office who are church members who have run into a crisis and we need to help. That is what the storehouse is for, and that is why the tithes are brought there. Everything beyond 10%, that's your offering. That's what you do with whatever you please. Give more to the storehouse, give to Enlightened Ministries, give to the United Way, Go through Starbucks and hand them 50 bucks and say, pay for everybody behind you. Whatever you want to do. But listen, if you don't believe that this works, you and God need to have a conversation. Check out the next line. Test me in this. This is God going, I dare you. Test me in this. And see if not, I will throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room. Anybody want to see that? Anybody want to see that? Would you like to see it like, like the chandelier open up and just fall? And just, I'd like to see that. I think that's what it'd look like if everybody jumped in. I don't think we'd need the hole. I think God would give it anyway because that's what he does. God doesn't make big dents in the earth. God makes the Grand Canyon. God doesn't make swimming pools for us to enjoy. He makes the Pacific. We'll talk more about that next week. That has to do with God's generosity. Let's go to the New Testament real quick. All right? Now, if we didn't, if we didn't know better, I've done real good. If we didn't know better, 
Tell me this doesn't, if you weren't reading from the Bible, tell me you wouldn't think this was kind of cultish. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They broke bread and had prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles in the room. All of the believers were together and everything they had, they shared in common. They sold all of their property and possessions and they gave it to anyone who was in need. Every day they met together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and they gave with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Tell me, a little cultish? What if I said, hey, George, all your income, NBC. Nikki, all your income, NBC. Gabbard's, all your income, Wesley. All of your income comes in here, and then we divvy it all out. Oh, and we're meeting every day, and we're having communion every day, and we're praying every day. And Y'all in? Some of you are like, I'll you, you test it, but you're not in. You want control of your stuff. But when Acts comes along and the law is gone, what do people do? Did they back up to 1%? No. They went all in. Church, what does that tell you? Acts is the beginning of the church. What does that tell you? Now, some of you, I said this in the last verses, if you've been here more than five years, you could hold my words against me right here. You could. You could say, hey, Craig, you've always said you don't care what we give, you care that we give. Oh, I mean that 100% in this room. But I wasn't speaking to people who were growing in their faith in small groups. I wasn't speaking to people who were sitting in my office ready to be deeper disciples. I'm preaching to everyone who walks in. And you have you don't go to 10% without starting somewhere. You move toward it. Jesus didn't expect people to preach the day they got saved. I don't expect you to give everything God wants you to give the day you get saved either. Or if you're not. If you don't know Jesus, I don't expect anything of you. I'm thankful that you're here. So let's be clear. In Acts, the people gave because they loved God, their hearts were changed, and that's what they were called to do. Here's the last one. There's another one, but we're going to do it all next week. It's in Matthew. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. I can't, I can't preach a good sermon, cause some kind of guilt from my words, and then you give. It will go away. It's got to be a change of heart. Why? God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Also in 2 Timothy, command those who are rich. Now, there's going to be a bunch of people in the room who immediately go, great, it's in the Bible, it's a verse, but it's not talking to me, but I'm not because I'm not rich. Let, let me just be clear. This verse, for all of you. Why? Because you are in the top 3% of the richest people on the planet. Every one of you. You make over $20,000, you're in the top 3% of the richest people on the planet. There are 6 billion people on the planet. You have more money than 5.2 billion of them. You are the rich. So God says, command the rich. So here's what I'm telling you and me. Don't be arrogant or put your hope in money. It's uncertain. You know it and I know it. Put it in, put your hope in God who provides us with everything. Listen, for our enjoyment. God knew you were going to say, but I want. He will provide you everything for your enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. We will come back to these verses next week. 
But I wanted to say it, and I want you to see this as we close. I want you to see this as we close. Nobody in this room, if I asked them, would want to not give more to Jesus, would want to not um, give more to the poor. Nobody in this room would not want to make some, cha some changes in order to be able to feel like they were giving. I hate giving online because I hate that I can't physically put it in the box. I love giving. Doesn't matter how much. You want to know how much? Call the office. All the staff knows this. The elders know this. You want to know what any of us give? Call and ask. We'll tell you what we make. We'll tell you what we give. No secrets. None. But I like to put it in the box. I just, it's the way I've grown up. It, it started right here when I got my first job here and I thought the devil was trying to get me here because they were paying me so much money, 25000 And it, I thought they were paying me so much that I called my mom and said, the devil wants me at NBC. That may have been true. I don't know. When I started writing that check, it felt good. You know what? An interesting thing happened. I had my own apartment right down here across from Kroger. I owed $10,000 for school and almost $10,000 on, on a black Jeep that I drove. All right? I, no, I didn't have it yet on the blue Camry that I had. All right? I owed money on that. I was here 20 months at $25,000. They were both paid off. I had everything I wanted. I played golf three times a week and paid off nearly $20,000. I did not think about taxes. So when I was 20 and got here and told Jesus what he was getting, because I did $25,000 divided by 52, divided by 10 and got my tithe. And then I got my check. But I had already told God what I was going to give him. So I started then and that has never changed. When I was at my lowest and was making right at 30000 a year, when I was at my highest, and I don't mind y'all, about 110 when I was traveling 200, 200 days a year and doing camps, before, before I came here. All right? It's always been the same. But here's what I found. The more money I made, the more stuff I had, and the more debt I had. Here's why. You cannot do life for Jesus without doing life with Jesus. None of this is possible if he is not involved in your decisions. None of this is possible if he is not who you're asking. None of this is possible if he is not who is in control because our desires always overcome. Do you know what one of mine is? Travel. Tasha and Alex and I were having a conversation before, and I'm going to, this is openness, right? I don't like, I love, I love Universal Studios and Walt Disney World. Now, Todd, don't hate me. I now prefer Universal, but I love the magic of Disney, all right? Yesterday, we're still trying to pay off the last little bit of debt from some of the diabetic stuff that's going on. And we have a vacation that we've already paid for that's coming up. But the next thing, I, I can't wait to get back to one of those places. So two days ago, over my email, I got from a place that, this is my secret place, you know, undercover tourist. It, they sent me a, they said, Universal's opening. 
tickets or buy two days, get two days free. I was in the room and Jamie, I said, Jamie, for $560, we can go for eight days. You guys don't understand. It's $125 per person per day. It's like $1,600 for two people to do four days. Right now you can do it for like $800. That sounds like a lot, but it's so worth it. Okay, because Harry Potter. Okay, so I don't have it right now. So the excuse could be, but that ticket's good till December of next year, 2021. You buy them today, they're good. We're good. We don't have it now. And I'm going to explain why we don't have it now next week. Can I buy them? Yeah. But I'm going to tell you next week why Jamie and I don't have it right now. There's a reason. And that is what next week is all about. This is going to be how we start next week. You can't do life, tithe, serve for Jesus without doing life with Jesus. Because what Jesus calls you to do can't be done without him. That's why he's God. And that's why all of his things are God's size. I'm sorry I left that out of the first service, but we'll get it next week. I love you. I'm going to pray for you. We are bing, bang, bong right on 12 o'clock. Let's pray. God, I thank you for such a receptive church, a church that can nod in understanding, knowing that there is no condemnation here, only love that this sermon is preached so that the church can do more, so that the families can do more, so that our children can do more, so that we can do more because we are freed from the burden of debt. We are not slaves to any master but God and ourselves. God, I pray that for everybody in this room, and I pray that this begins to spur conversation. I pray that as we actually call our congregation to conversations with one another next week, that they are open to listen, to hear, to show grace and mercy and love together. God, thank you for giving us the strength to pull this off twice today, for giving us the understanding. God, bring us here next week. We'll do it like this one more time. And then as we open more doors, let in more people, get a little closer, God, let community reign, let COVID be gone, and let Christ rule our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen.